to the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? If you're drowning and I throw you a life jacket, would you grab it? Yes. Good. Pick up 200 shares. I won't let you down. Pay him. Pay that man his money. Ask them how they'd like to see 30, 40% returns. What are they going to say? No? I don't want to see those returns. Where's the money, Lebowski? You're going to make a lot of money, right? Be aggressive. Learn how to push. Show them a 3% return. I'll trust you to watch his kids for the weekend. I'm a big fan of money. Move around. Motion creates emotion. I did not know that. That's it. I'm done. Welcome well, back, Saxon Jacks. I'm tomorrow. Mr. Matt Weber back on the board. SP Futures down 27. NASDAQ Futures down 106. And Matty, you got, you got dancing stereo in my ears here with our ancient board, but it's, it's, it's interesting. It's fun in the morning. Lou, how are you, buddy? Good morning, sir. I'm, uh, I'm well. Thank you. Um, things all good out there in, uh, Colorado land? No, but, uh, there are no worse. <laughs> I don't think there are any worse here than anywhere else. Um, well, I don't know. We had, I don't know if you were listening the other day, we had the big shooting out in front of the, the studio Tuesday morning. Yeah, I saw, I saw that. I, I, I saw the address and I went, huh, I think I, I think I used to walk right by there. Yeah. <laughs> you definitely did. Um, that's, um, that, that nothing surprises me about what is happening in Chicago right now. It, it, it looks like a, a complete meltdown of, of civil order and I don't, I mean, it's, you, you, it, 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 it's obviously not that bad, but uh, the it is. stuff that I'm reading about is, is just unbelievable. It's got people. Uh, matter of fact, I, I, I went to the car. Went to get my car tonight. Night after Tuesday, the guy down in the bar who's uh, made a living down there making pizzas for people, not only in the bar but anybody going to get pizza slices and stuff. And he says to me, "God, my wife's giving me no end of crap. She wants me to quit down here. She doesn't want me getting shot." There's a lot. It's it's reached that stage, though. I I don't I don't understand the mayor's. You know, position on this. This, this is this is a city that embraced, you know, uh, Fox and Kim Fox and the and the whole idea of you know not really arresting people and putting people out on the streets and the incarceral state. And I, I mean, it it seemed so obvious that this is what was going to happen if you if you decide you're not going to enforce the law. And, and 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 alternatively, if you decide that that you're not going to enforce the law because of racial issues, it seems so obvious that this was that this was going to happen. You're going to have gunfights breaking out on the street. You're going to have uh, you know the Miracle Mile being assaulted by mobs. You know, breaking breaking through uh, windows and and uh, it it's astounding to me that nobody nobody sat up and said, yeah, this is obviously what's coming down the track. And, and we need to stop it. Uh, you know, it, 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 it's a little reminiscent of that blizzard of, what was it, 2012, where Lakeshore Drive uh, got, got frozen up and they had to send the guard out to get people out of their cars in the middle of that blizzard. Do you remember that? I remember it very oh, well yeah. because uh, your friend on the board, Mr. Weber, of course, the night before says to me, all right, Chief, don't worry about it. I got my... Would you have a front-wheel drive Volkswagen or something? Yeah. He goes, I've never been able, not been able to get out. So sure enough, the next morning, I, I get the phone call. Hey, Chief, you better come get me. So I head over there. You know, I got, I mean, somehow, the only way I got out of the alley with the big Suburban was uh, that the, the church had, had uh, plowed their lot. So all I had to do was get around the corner. And I, w- I was pushing snow at the grill with the Suburban. But I got around the corner, and then I was out through the church lot, and I was okay. Well, I was the only person on the street. I never, 
Never once have well, I actually used four wheel drive on a, on the main roads, but I did. So I go to get my, Maddie. My, my point is that somebody said when you lose control of Lakeshore Drive, you know, you you that that's a marker for for the breakdown of the city and breakdown of order in the city. And and I I feel the same way. When you lose the Miracle Mile, when you lose Millennium Park, you spend hundreds of millions of dollars to make this showpiece, and you won't do the steps that you needed to take. You will take the steps to keep those things as part of the of the public's um, the public sphere, the public space that you you tried to set up, the public square. I I I'm astounded at it. And and you know and and the, the people in Chicago are just sort of further along the track and in San Francisco are just further along the track than the the mayors of every other blue city I know about. We're seeing the same problem here in Denver. We have an ongoing homeless problem that, that has turned our railroad station into an open-air drug market. And, and you know, the this, this city seems paralyzed as to how to do it. Well, the, the, and, the, and quick, the last... I, it, 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 the, the, the mentality... Let me give you another example of mentality. There's a movement here in, in Denver to stop the city from buying shot spotter services. You know what shot spotter is? I actually do not. What is it? Oh, shot spotter? You're using in Chicago all the time. It it's a uh, series of microphones placed at strategic parts around the city and it's it's a very sophisticated uh, AI artificial intelligence uh, monitoring such that when you somebody shoots a gun We have some of that here the system is record is recording it, and it triangulates to within, you know, ten twenty feet of where the, the shots were actually fired, so that police can be directed here. See, I want, I want have that. I want. We have some of that here. That's how yeah, they. You know, you've been using it for years. That's how the kid who uh, the kid got shot by the cops over in Pilsen uh, a year ago. They, yes, right, because they 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 responded well. So here in Denver. There are these idiots that are coming out saying we've got to get rid of ShotSpotter because it's directing the police to to neighborhoods of, of people of color. Well, if that's where the shots and, are, that's where they're going. I'm going. I'm sorry. Is that not where the shootings are happening? Is that not? I, you want you want to stop people with illegal handguns from discharging weapons? Eighty-four. Why not go to where they're discharging weapons? Eighty-four percent of the people in the city who've been shot or have shot people are black. I saw that. That's a, and that's a number that you can't deny it. I mean, I'm not making a racial slur. I'm just saying that's the number. I, uh, I, but, you, know, well, it, you know, what's weird, Louis? The there's no doesn't seem to be, and I, I don't I don't know how. Uh, maybe maybe you can you or Maddie because Maddie's rides the rails and stuff more than I do now. Somewhere or another, if you, if you read the history of Chicago, and they had all the mob stuff going on here and whatever, and you know people were getting killed and. Uh, you know, pretty much the mob guys, pretty much were good shots and only like killed other mob guys, and it was it was tolerated to a point. And all of a sudden, when they had the St. Valentine's Day massacre, where somebody lined where there was a ten guys up or nine guys up in a garage and just machine gunned them up up on uh, Broadway and wherever it was, many uh, the city, like almost in one voice from every neighborhood, from what I understand, basically said, "Enough's enough." We can't, it's no longer the one guy bumping the other guy off, you know, and then we put it on the untouchables next week. It's too much. And whoever was mayor, whether he wanted to or whether he didn't, 
was essentially forced into uh, cleaning some of this up. Now, did they clean the whole thing up? I'm sure not. But they basically sent the message out, we're not tolerating any more of this crap. And I've I've been waiting for a, a bottom here. Not for, gonna happen. For, I, I thought for sure, Maddie, we remember we did it, was it two years ago? When, when the when the baby got shot at noon on Lakeshore Drive right next to Grant Park, and the whole city was outraged, I thought, you know what, this is it. They're going to make sure nobody shoots out of cars anymore or anything like that. It lasted about a day, Lou. There, there, there no, doesn't seem to be happen. anything. There doesn't seem to be anything the, the, that happens that is egregious enough for people to say, "Mayor, I don't care what's going on. I don't care if the people are black, blue, or, or green. You're going to start arresting these people. You're going to get some people, some police out there. You're going to you're going to break some heads. No, you not know. not going to happen. You have had two, and I, and I want to give out this topic because we've beaten yeah. this this horse to death several times, but it's not going to happen because you have a a firmly entrenched racial and economic class grievance culture in Chicago that steps up every time somebody comes in and says, okay, we've got to solve the problem. The problems in Chicago center on minority neighborhoods, economically economically poor and disadvantaged neighborhoods, but on minority neighborhoods that, that ha- whose, whose leadership is not interested in solving the problem, but in only containing and, and and making these racial grievance arguments that that then paralyze your your uh, leadership structure for some reason. We, we're seeing I've seen the same thing play out on a much smaller scale here in Denver with the homeless situation. You know, every time the city comes in to try to clean up an area, there's this huge protest by by uh, an activist class here that says you can't you can't move these people. They have they have rights. Yeah, and and the response, of course, is whose land are they on? They've just pitched a tent. They've just pitched a tent on a parkway. They're out in front of somebody's apartment building, shooting up, using using drugs, uh, you know, uh, uh, engaging in, in you know petty crime thefts and and assaults. They're a fire danger. They're definitely a health danger because because of the bathroom situation. Um, San Francisco sections of San Francisco have gone completely third world and so part big part of LA as a result of, of this mentality and, and Chicago is in the grips of it so it, it, I don't I don't think it's going to happen well part of it Lou and I'm going to try I know you got a bunch of stuff you want to talk about but I want to tie it into a lot of it is tied into what I would say the absolute BS that our that our Federal Reserve chairman came out yesterday telling everybody how good things are it is it is not good for, for it hasn't been good for eighty to ninety percent of the population for twenty five years, Lou. And, and until we figure out that that's what's happening, and, and 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 decide to do something about it, I mean, I don't, I don't. I mean, Carl these talks. Are not, but these are these are not Federal Reserve problems, though. But I'm saying these it, it works local, its way down. They are local, problems. but but these people all used to have jobs, Lou. And why don't they? I mean, the, the offshoring all no, the well I, I don't I don't I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go with that most of these people most of these people either have mental illness that is precluding some them of that from working or they or they are so drug addicted um, I'm, I'm not gonna blame their drug addiction on on lack of work I'll blame the suicides on lack of work but but I'm not gonna blame their drug addiction on lack of work this is an ongoing long-term social problem I, that we simply don't want to address because our leadership does not have the intestinal fortitude to stand up and say, "Okay, 
these are going to require hard choices, and I'm I'm gonna, which is a nice segue for me, to roll into the Supreme Court leak, and and I'll I I will be very interested to see how this gets dealt with, because this is another example on a much smaller scale of a hard choice that somebody, I I pin it on the Chief Justice uh, Roberts that somebody should be making specifically. That leak, which which, I, I for, as an attorney, I can't tell you what an abomination and how serious that conduct was. I was it, with it, uh, it, it undercuts it undercuts the credibility of the court. It 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 does all kinds of damage. If I'm John Roberts, the day after that thing happens, and and or, or within 48 hours of that thing happening, I get I get all the clerks because I'm I'm. That's where it most likely came from. I get all the clerks into a room, and I say, "Ladies and gentlemen, we have reason to believe, good suspicion, that one of you is either the leaker or is very close to somebody who leaked this." And 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 by that I mean, you know, it could be could, I, it could have been one of the justices. I doubt that it was. It could be it could be somebody else within the court organization. But in any event, I would tell the clerks. You're either the leaker or you're close to somebody who was. I, I expect that information to be forthcoming. If it is not, you're all going to stay in this room. If, if I don't have, if I don't have a name or or information within five minutes, you're all fired, and your your terminations here will, and your employment records here will reflect termination for cause, and then and then walk out and wait and wait. Five minutes later, come back in. Say anybody wants to talk to me, I'm gonna, you know, we'll we'll be somewhere else, or you, you figure out some anonymous way of people identifying that they want to speak or they they've got what they want, and and then if you don't get the answers you want, you fire everybody. What makes you think? Matter of fact, this uh, where were you, Lou? You should have been with me last night. I was sitting at a table with two attorneys and one of the chief justices from the city, and we were talking about this very topic. And uh, I, uh, they, first of all, the, the chief justice said he can't believe it would be a judge that let it slip. Although I'm not so absolutely sure about that. I'm going to ask a very simple question in this day and age. This is a Matty Weber question. What makes you think somebody didn't hack somebody's phone or, 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 or machine? Well, first of all, because those draft those draft opinions, and, and I mean that's why I say I would take 48 hours on it. It it's possible that that happened, but but a hack. Going to Politico would not be published absent them going back and confirming it with somebody. And they, they, they if you if you watch the interview with the Politico reporter who who broke this story, he he said they were absolutely confident of their source. You wouldn't you wouldn't have that with a hack. All right. Well, a, man, hack would, a hack would a hack would be somebody unrelated to the court going to going to this Politico reporter and saying, "Here, here you go." This was that. That's not what happened. This was done. This was done in a way. I'm, I'm almost certain, so that there was no electronic transfer of the information. There would be instead a uh, and a hack. By the way, could be discovered. There would be no electronic transfer of the information. Somebody would have printed the thing off on their printer, and and uh, you know which would have been something in the normal course of business that would happen there. Somebody printed the thing off on on a printer and walked it out of the building and handed it to that reporter. Well, what I'm saying is, since we don't really, the heck, if it was your phone, okay, 
and somebody hacked into it. And if somebody, if I was the political, I could walk up to you and say, Mr. Michaels, this appears to have come off your phone, did it? And you say, yes, it's still a hack. Okay. It's confirmed. Uh, that's, that's, that's fine. That's fine. Then, you're, then your obligation was to have gone immediately to your justice yeah, oh yeah, and say, look, this happened. What makes you think and, one and of the in judges? Fact, in fact, in the one case where you had the results of, a, of a, an opinion or, or the opinion results leaked early, and it involved Roe versus Wade. In the one case where you had that happen, the the guy who was responsible fessed up immediately and said, "Yeah, that's me. I talked to this guy, but he wasn't supposed to publish it until the opinion came out, and he published early." Well, I mean, um, well, in this, and, in this... and, and so I would I would just I would just put it, and, and the, you know, the short answer is, I you need to confront these. Uh, it, it's almost certainly it was a clerk. You uh, you need to confront these people, and whether it was an accident or something else, the clerk has a responsibility to to make that report. If they aren't willing to do it, I, you have a reasonable suspicion that it's the rest of them. You fire all of them. What? Let me let me ask you a question, though. I, I'm I'm going to say ninety nine percent. You're right, and you're, you're, what you want to do there is probably correct. But look look around you. Everything these bozos do now, and I use that term. Really, everything they do, every I mean, Clinton. I remember. I'm sure he didn't start it, but Clinton was the first guy, I think. They used to have in some of the theaters in Harlem and other places. They used to have focus groups for his speeches, and whatever he was going to come up with, and he he would float this by people before he would ever to see their reaction. I watch his stuff a little bit. I, I do. I I get disgusted doing it. I watch the. I go back to my buddies at the Federal Reserve. Every single thing that they say, every policy move, one of the goofballs goes out and floats it in front of people and gets the reaction. This is this is government today. I mean, it, I, it may well it may well be government today, but it's not the way the judiciary runs. Up, up till up till now, up till now, and in your opinion, which again I think is probably the correct one, but what makes you think that if something is is and I'll say is is a bigger news. Is somewhat of an overturn of Roe versus Wade. I don't know how far they go with this, but somewhat of an overturn of that is massive news. What makes you think that somebody doesn't want to find out early if that's the direction they go? How big of a fiasco it causes? Oh no, that's uh, that's not the reason. I, I, there are two there are two reasons I think that this opinion was this draft opinion was leaked. The first is that somebody. Aware of the internal machinations of, of the decision making, has understood that that majority, that five judge majority and maybe six, is not going to waver, and so they are trying to Derek chauvinize the the Supreme Court panel with what happened last night, where you had you had demonstrators on the front lawns of of the five justices in Washington D.C. and Maryland and in Virginia protesting at their homes shouting at their shouting at their families and as people go in and out that's the first reason and I think it's the most obvious one and I, I think that's probably correct the other reason that I think you publish something like this if you're a leaker is that your five justice majority that you had in February is starting to break apart because you've got you've got what I consider to be relatively weak, a couple of relatively weak characters on the on that group, 
Kavanaugh specifically, who are wavering. And so you leak the opinion in an effort to foreclose their ability with, with the votes that these people were going to make. You, you leak the opinion in total so that these people suddenly are faced with the prospect of if they do change their vote, it will look like they changed their vote in response to public opinion. But I think, based on the, the way this was done, I think it's much more likely the former than the latter. Well, I wonder if we'll ever know, but I, uh, I, you know, it, oh, I think, I think if you confronted, I think if you, if you told the clerks, every one of you is going to get fired in five minutes if we don't have some information, I'm pretty sure you'd get some information. Everybody, because even if the, even if the person who passed it didn't, didn't confess, I guarantee you that person has talked to somebody else on that, in that group. Well, if you'd have been with us last night, it'd have been five against one instead of four against one. And I said, I know you guys are probably right, and they all agreed with you, by the way. I said, I know you guys are probably right, but in, until you figure out where it actually came from, don't absolve the judges and don't absolve a hack. It, it might have been well, that. Well, but my, see, my, my reaction to this is that it's quite possible that a clerk would know if the judge had leaked it. Oh, uh, that's possible. But what do you tell on so, it? So, I mean, I, mean, I, I this, this, is, this is the functional equivalent of... of Taking your administrative staff aside, when you have a, a problem, and I've, I've run, I've run probably fifty internal investigations in companies over the course of my legal career on all kinds of things, from sexual harassment to employee theft. You know, if you if you want to if you want to find out what's going on, I can only imagine that inquisition, Matty. What do you think, Lou, inquisiting people? <laughs> nobody nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. Um, I would I I would often just talk to the administrative staff and say give me a, give me a run through on what you think was going on and and frequently there was somebody who said yeah I I always thought this was an issue I always thought this was a problem. Well, uh, could so, you so could that, you, uh, you I, mentioned I don't think that would would be too out of out of line to pull those people aside. Right. You mentioned uh, Judge Roberts and this was a big question I had after talking to the guys last night. Um, so I was ready for it. I was talking to other lawyers and judges. Uh, uh, what exactly are the powers of the chief judge? And I say that I, I ask because uh, Clarence Thomas's wife was doing some weird, some weird crap or whatever it seemed, uh, and there was a case coming up regarding this group she's with. And I was reading somewhere that the the only the only person who has the authority to recuse Judge Thomas is Judge Thomas. That that even the that, chief that, that that's correct. Oh, so, so the chief judge. Can't tell anybody else to recuse himself. It appears. No, he also not, does. He does not. He does not have the authority. He assigns the writing of an opinion, but he does not. That's about the extent of his authority with respect to how the judges, the justices, conduct themselves. Right. So he doesn't have anything to do with who they hire either, right? In terms of clerks, yeah. Uh, that that's correct. The justices hire their own clerks. I don't know about his. I mean, he's got authority over the administration of the Supreme Court, so other than the clerks, I, I suspect that he has a lot of control over, like, the GSs that are there. The clerks, the clerks are just GSs. I mean, if a clerk, if a clerk was engaged in misconduct, he would first work through the justice, I assume, to get the guy fired. But if, if that didn't work, I think he's got the, I think he's got the authority to dismiss clerks. So is his, him, him being a chief is like me being a chief. He's not really a chief of anything. A little bit. 
Well, no, he 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 manages. He's responsible for the day to day management of, and running of the court. Okay, but I'm saying he can't. He, if you can't tell somebody, he can't really tell one of these guys. Or with, in other words, there's the clerks that they hire are their own people. I mean, Justice Thomas can hire his own clerks. They don't have to run them by Roberts. No, that, that he they, that's or sorry, yes, that's correct. They don't have to run them through Roberts. Okay, so every guy's got their own like little fiefdom, but he's like the somewhat of a chief. Yeah, I mean, I mean, in a situation like this where a leak has come out or something like that, he has the authority. For example, he 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 did not bring the FBI in, which I I understand why the FBI is riddled with leakers. I wouldn't bring the FBI in either. He's got the marshal of the Supreme Court, who's somebody within his within his scope of control, to to run the investigation. Now, the problem, of course, is the marshal has no law enforcement authority. If you if you want to play hardball, in a slightly different way than I would play hardball, you bring the FBI in and you have you have them conduct law enforcement interviews on these people, such that if they lie during the course of the law enforcement interview. They've committed a federal criminal offense that can be prosecuted. Um, is this what? What sort of a crime is this? Is it even listed anywhere as a crime? Um, I don't know. I don't know about a, exactly a crime per se, but certainly lying to the lying to the FBI would be considered a crime. Also, well, if, if the entire staff of a hundred people just said we're not saying a word to you guys, then they're just skunked. I, I don't know about the entire staff, but I would have no trouble firing the I would no no trouble firing the clerks. You fire the clerks and replace them with with you know contract hires. All right. So the part I get I don't get about this is in Indiana. We got to go to break here, but the idea that the FBI can lie to you and it's okay if you lie back, you go to jail. To me, is always a little uneven. That's not fair, is it? Uh, no, doesn't seem that way. Fortunately, fortunately, as one of my legal professors said. You know, we, we were talking about a, a, a case where an, an inequitable result came out, and this, uh, this one of my classmates at Duke said, that's not fair, Professor, and he said, that's a great point. When you walked in the door of the building today, what is above the main entrance? And she said, it says Duke Law School. He goes, that's right. It doesn't say Duke Justice School. It's a Duke Law School. <laughs> and, well, but you know... And there's, and there's a distinction. There is, but... Someday you would hope they match. Sometimes you, well, you you generally try to hope they match, but it doesn't always work out that way. Uh, no, it doesn't. SP Futures down 30, NASDAQ Futures down 115. We're giving back a little of the huge rally yesterday, but not that much of it, maybe 20%. We'll talk about that, come back from break. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The Control Freak's Guide to Life, Money, and Probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck, 
Get Lockbox at lockboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation of the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks. Jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here. Right now. Right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tim Al. Weber on the board. SP Futures down 31. NASDAQ Futures down 120. Um, all kinds of stuff. You know, all kinds of uh, of uh, email this morning here that's pretty interesting. Uh, we may have to... We have to band together, uh, Lou and Maddie to find a way to, um, ask for Lika to get her mother out of Ukraine over here, huh? I mean, she, they found her, her grandmother, they weren't, they were out of communication for a while, but evidently they found them someplace. What's, we'll, we'll talk about this after, what the process okay. is for that. Uh, Dow Futures down 164. We're giving back, uh, well, yesterday we were, the Dow was up 932, the S&P was up 124, NASDAQ up 401, so, we're giving back roughly 20% of that, 20 to 25% of that, so that's not uh, to be unexpected, I guess. Nikkei down 29 points, uh, actually that's a 5-2, so they were not, they were not open today. Shanghai was open, they were up 20.7%. Hang Seng is also open, they were up, they were down 76.4%. Um, this is after our rate, our red, Fed rate hike here, but it was the world's most dovish rate hike. A DAX up 209, 1.5%, FTSE up 95, 1.3%. Again, these guys were closed when Paul was talking. Uh, CAC round up 118, 1.9%. Uh, the bonds, we have, by the way, the, uh, uh, the Brits raised their, theirs by half a point too. 
a 10-year Treasury 2.96, the bond uh, positive 0.96, Japan positive 0.24. That refuses to move, and that's why the yen dollar continues to gyrate all over the place. Uh, oil. Another 70 cents for 108.51. We were under 100 like a week ago. Uh, Brent up a dollar, 111.14. So, uh, oil's up like 10% in the last maybe 10 days. Natural gas down 7 cents, but still 8.33, which is a massive number. It's highest since like 2008. Arbab up a penny, 366. We've got gold, which flew up yesterday. It's flying up again today. 28.90, but still it's under 1900, 18.97. Silver up 56 cents, 22.97. Uh, copper unchanged at 433, and we have Bitcoin down 332 at 39,045, seemingly in a range between around 38.5 and 45. So it hasn't really moved out of there in a while. Maybe we have for us traffic weather sports. Coming up on 37 minutes past the hour. Good morning to everyone out there. We have a crash on the inbound Bishop Ford just before 115th Street that uh, apparently has uh, caused injuries as well. So expect delays as uh, crews are on the scene working to get this crash cleared on the Bishop Ford. That's the only crash on any of the area expressways at this hour. No issues coming in on the Ryan or I-57. Traffic building on the Stevenson and Eisenhower, but no accidents to report. Same for the Kennedy. Eden's still looking good, as is Lakeshore Drive. Only other concern in the area... Is a crash that happened overnight. Uh, Cicero Avenue between Ogden and Cermak, 22nd, is closed due to an accident investigation where a pedestrian was uh, fatally struck by a vehicle. And that happened uh, earlier this morning, so that investigation is continued and has uh, Cicero closed. But everything else looking okay out there. Weather today, another uh, much cooler than normal day as it's been the last couple of weeks before we warm up next week. Uh, rain in the forecast as well, a high of just 52 Right now it's overcast and 47 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, sunshine with a high of 95 today. Right now it's clear and 69. In sports, the Sox swept the brief two-game set at Wrigley, uh, beating the Cubs 4-3 to last night. Cubs led 3-1 to on a couple of home runs, uh, but the White Sox rallied back with three straight, and their bullpen was strong, uh, holding on to beat the Cubs. Sox have won three in a row. Cubs have lost uh, two in a row. Diamondbacks topped the Marlins 8-7, to and the D-backs, uh, who are expected to be really bad, are back at 500 now, 13-13, and playing some good ball of late. They've won 7 out of 10. And NBA basketball for our Phoenix listeners, the Suns are now two games up on Dallas, uh, blowing out the Mavericks last night, 129-109, to to take a 2-0 series lead in that best of seven. Suns, of course, won the West last year, and they're now just two games away from going back to the Western Conference Finals. Chief. Uh, Matty, real, since you haven't been here, I, we're, I have to ask you some basketball questions, if you don't mind, Lou, for a second. Uh, are, are the Celtics going to give these guys a real fight here, uh, the Bucks? Yeah, absolutely. Celtics are very good. I mean, they have two of the top 20 players in the league, um, and, and they're both young, and they're both really coming into their own, and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, and then they have a, a really good... Duke, man, Duke. Yeah, they have a really good young big man as well. And then they've uh, surrounded those guys with some good veteran players that can, you know, Al Horford is back there, and he's been around forever, and he's a really good player uh, inside and out. They seem to have a good young coach. But, yeah, I think they absolutely can. Plus, you factor in Milwaukee's second-best player is still out, Chris Middleton, and it really evens the playing field. Now, that said, Milwaukee did win game one in Boston, so they stole one of the two, and now they head back to Milwaukee with uh, a 1-1 tie. Um, So it should be a good series. But, yeah, Boston could certainly beat them. Is that tonight? 
I think uh, game three is tonight. Let me check. Why did, Why were the Bulls so anxious to get rid of that Tice guy? It seems like if he was on the Bulls, they would have had a lot more beef inside and a lot better team. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy they could have, uh, they definitely could have kept. I, I think, th- did they use him in a trade? I can't remember. I thought he just left. I'm not sure. but Yeah, I can't remember how, why they get rid of him. But uh, there actually is no NBA games tonight. So um, Boston-Milwaukee does not resume until Saturday. Really? Yeah, they really stretch these out, So these series. So uh, no games tonight. And then uh, tomorrow night, it's Miami at Philadelphia, Phoenix at Dallas. And then Saturday, uh, the two, what I think would they consider the marquee series, as far as ratings are concerned, uh, return. And that's Boston at Milwaukee and Memphis at Golden State. All right, so you guys, we have our, our two guys that know the more about sports than anybody on the show. How is that guy, I didn't see the flagrant foul, but... How's the guy that took the guy out of the, the rest of the year of breaking his elbow? How's that guy not suspended for the whole playoffs? Are you, are you talking about the Dave Chappelle knockdown? Yeah. <laughs> no, the, uh, the, uh, what did one they did? It was, uh, Dylan Brooks from Memphis. He, uh, flagrant fouled Gary Payton Jr. for Golden State, who is their best on-ball defender and a very valuable player on their team. He's a role player, but he has a very important role for Golden State. He uh, cheap shot at him and uh, ended up fracturing his elbow, and so he's out now for the for the remainder of the year. Uh, so it was similar to what Grayson Allen cheap shot at Caruso, and Caruso was out for eight weeks and never really was the same after that. Sometimes those flagrant fouls, Duke. yeah, sometimes those flagrant fouls, you get a, a slap on the wrist or a one game suspension or something, but the guy you hurt <laughs> is out a long time. It, it's it's uh, not not very even, is it? No, no, it's it's not it's not fair, but. But it's the law. I didn't. I didn't hear. It doesn't say Duke Justice School on the door. Well, you know yeah, what? I, right. you know, so, so here's my I, my new all time favorite quote, and I I may have I may have used this last week too. Uh, if I did, I'm sorry if I'm repeating myself. But you know, it's I can't remember who said it, but it's it's a I believe it's a French uh, one of the French philosophers who said, "For my friends, everything; for my enemies, the law." <laughs> well, I, I played in a lot of leagues where. Uh, there were Irish guys against Lithuanian guys, and people really didn't like each other. I never saw anything like that, ever. I mean, people police themselves. If you did, you better be ready to fight the whole team. I mean, uh, it was... It well, it, isn't, this, isn't this part of the, the whole debate about, you know, the unwritten code of baseball? There was that big discussion about was it last year about beaming people. You know, and, yeah. and you know, hitting, hitting guys after hitting guys with a ball after they hit a home run off your pitcher or something like that. Well, somebody's got to do it. I mean, you know. I mean, I mean, uh, yeah. So, so a hard foul. Th- this has been going on in sports as long as certainly as long as, as I've been playing, and and you know, obviously football, a huge, not a huge, but a significant part of of football is is you know aiming to hurt your opponent so that they either stop playing as hard as they were or their ability to play as hard as they want to play is diminished. Uh, that, that's why you hit people as hard as you can. You hit people you're, you're as hard. To, you're trying to knock, either take them out or take them out of the game or whatever. Now you're not supposed to do it illegally, and and there are you know there are quote unquote rules about that. But you know I I, I, I distinctly remember a uh, you know my my father talking about some blocking scheme they had put in place that was designed to hit. The middle linebacker from, I think it was when Nobis was playing for Atlanta, to hit him from three different directions on like the second or third play of the game in their sequence so that he, you know, he'd get hurt, not, not crippled or not knocked out of the game, but stop 
and, and figure out what the heck just happened to me. You know, we had three guys coming in and knocking down. One guy knocking down from one direction, and then as he would as he would re- recover from that block, somebody knocking down from another direction. And then before the play was over, there was a third guy that was supposed to hit him. And the whole point of that was to intimidate him. Um, yet everybody on that field knows that that is, I guess, is part of the game. But if the third guy takes a shot at his knee when he's looking the other way, everybody knows that that's not what you're supposed to do. Well, no, no, you're not. I mean, if, if these were all these were all legal hits, and I mean, the idea again was was to put some confusion in place because you're wondering who who's doing this to me. But uh, so uh, the idea of a flagrant foul to to try to intimidate somebody or something like that, I, I understand. I'm I'm reasonably certain that the, I didn't see the foul, but I mean, did it look like he was trying to cripple him? Well, I, the Grayson Allen one I saw about a hundred times, and the and the guy in the Bulls. And I've I've seen people go up and they're in the air. Of course, I never was up got up in the air that high. I've seen a really hard foul and people go down and you you know it's a hard foul. But I'm when, sure I'm sure that was an isolated instant, instance no, for Grayson. Oh no! But see what he did, Louis. <laughs> he <laughs> he fouled him with the one hand, and while the guy was in the air, he essentially grabbed his other arm and spun him around so he landed not the way you're supposed to land. So he ended yeah. he, he put the other arm on him to injure him. Well, if he just whacked him with his right hand, I don't I know. You know, he said it was just it was just a hard foul. But the minute I saw it, I'm going, "That's not just a hard foul." I mean, I've played enough to know the difference, right? Just saying. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm. I mean, I, I, I haven't seen. I didn't see either one of the fouls, but but generally, league discipline on this, like in the NHL, league discipline like this. Is going to be is going to be focused on what it on what it looked like and whether it looked like it was an intentional effort to either just stop the shot from going in or whether it was an intentional effort to actually injure the player. And, and I'm going to say that I one. Assume that's what's going to drive it. Well, whatever happened to the speaking, the, of, speaking of which? Hey, one real quick question. What do you? Well, I just I want to continue on this vein. What What do you think about this Trevor Bauer suspension? I, I can't believe it. I, I, I'm my reaction to that was. What do you guys? Do? Well, I know what they're doing. They're 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 tossing out their their social justice uh, virtue signaling card and waving it around, saying, you know, we we support women. You know, we're, they're still back. Major League Baseball is still back in the early days of the Me Too generation when it was we believe all women before Amber Heard was out there chopping off Johnny Depp's finger. Yeah, um, <laughs> I, I I I think. Thanks, Maddie. I'm glad somebody appreciated that. Yeah. Um, I, I think, I, I think it's, it's, it's a ridiculous move for that long of a suspension for something that is not a criminal charge. I don't, I, this whole, as you know, Lou, it's taken various forms that, but I, I'm. You know, we're gonna, we're gonna police, we're Major League Baseball, and we're gonna police how you have sex with people. Well, this, yeah, I, this, uh, alternative, and I, and I shouldn't do this, but I keep going back to the the first two shows of the Star Trek: The Next Generation, where they were they were trying humanity with a group of Cretans, and there every time one of the guys said something in one of the stands, they'd they'd be thumbs up, and the other one. This whole idea of court of public opinion, Lou, we just can't go there. We cannot go there. That we no, have, but, but this, we, is, this yeah. is what this is. I said this is the Derek Chauvinization of 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 sports uh, justice. It's the Derek Chauvinization attempted Derek Chauvinization of police justice or uh, uh, Supreme Court justice. Well, it, it's Great. everywhere. People read five tweets 
and they know more than the jury who sat there for two weeks listening to all this stuff. Well, that that's true. I, I mean, one of my favorite one of my favorite tweets that came out after the leak was that uh, somebody said, "So all the people who are epidemiologists tomorrow are going to be constitutional law scholars." Yeah, oh yeah, without a doubt. Uh, I, I mean, that that that's kind of the way it works. Um, anyway, I thought the Bauer I thought the Bauer uh, decision was it was a ridiculous. And and I don't think sends the right message at all. I think it I, I think it sends a message that baseball is the decision making is arbitrary, capricious, and and not interested in any kind of fairness or anything else. And, and I think this they're making this they're making this kid as as Michael Scott said in the office they're making him an scapegoat. Well, I don't I don't uh, this this should never have happened, Lou, but it, but it but it did. Uh, you know, in the period where my between anyway between, between the time that my dad died and my uh, stepfather showed up, uh, my uncles would take me places, and one of them was a policeman in the county. Right, I remember this. I was like eight years old, but I remember it. <laughs> and uh, he takes me out there, and he says, "Well, why don't you sit in the courtroom for a little bit? I got to do some police work." <laughs> so he plucks me down in there, and of course, it's got this this wife abuse case, right, going on, and. Uh, and of course, he comes and grabs me. He says, "Hey, I don't want you to listen to this." He yanks me out of there. But the the idea, Lou, that you would have a case where you know some guy's smacking his wife, which obviously nobody wants anybody to do. Uh, but if the guy's a policeman or a fireman, the judge makes his ruling whether you're going to stay together or not stay together, whether you're going to give somebody a you know a stay apart, what they call it, a restraining order, whatever you're going to do. The last thing you want is the guy's employer in the last seat saying, "Well, like you're fired." Well, oh, I know. I mean, because you know, you can't be a policeman anymore. I mean, if if you get convicted, I get it, you know. But the last thing you want is is the guy to not. If if you think he's home with a family and he's got anger management problems, the last thing you want to do is take the guy's job away from. I mean, really? I mean, there's, there's, I mean, I just don't like this alternative uh, justice system. And, and, and well, it, it it the system. So, so the question I've got is, if you, if you are, if there is a legitimate basis for baseball to hammer the guy. If, if they're coming out and saying, this is affecting our ability to draw fans, to attract people to the game, to, to have some kind of impact on this, if they can show that, if this guy is that infamous, then okay, pull the trigger. I don't have a problem with that. It's pretty clear. That's not what happened here. That's not what happened in the Ray Rice case. You know, let's go back. Never mind what Trevor Bauer supposedly did to one of his girlfriends, and and the and the fact that the evidence was so equivocal that it, you know even with the physical injuries, the DA said, "No, we're not prosecuting this because it doesn't." I can't make a case that this was not consensual. Never so so put Trevor Bauer aside. Let's go with Ray Rice, where you have video of a guy cold cocking his fiance in an elevator knocking her out, and then in an incredibly callous display, dragging her out of the elevator into a hallway in this hotel. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's hard to look a lot worse than that without, without murdering somebody. And, and so he, you know, he does this, and the, they show up at the, at the, the, the Ravens say, okay, fine, we'll suspend him, we'll suspend him for some games because this, this looks bad for us. If the NFL comes in once that video gets out and they suspend the guy for, for life, 
he disappears. The fiance shows up at the with with Rice at, for the NFL interview with uh, uh, what's his face. They sit down and she says, "Do not fire him." Okay, do not remove his ability to make a living. Yeah, I'm relying on that, and so are you know a bunch of other people. They didn't. They didn't. You're not really. You're not really sending the message you want to send by doing that. No. And 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 there was no appreciable change in terms of Raven attendance, television viewership, or anything else as a result of that. It was a horrible event. He was published. He was punished for it. The the you know the the Baltimore Maryland system for dealing with the spousal abuse stepped into the middle of it. They they dealt with it. He was charged. He was sanctioned. I don't understand why the NFL felt it was necessary to make give him a life basically a lifetime ban. Yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy. Hey, what about uh, to run real quick question? Whatever happened to that? Hockey case years ago, where the the guy actually was a criminal case because the guy whacked him with a stick in the head or something. They they said it was assault. Did he? Did that, uh, yeah. Where did, did that? Did I, the guy I think the I think the player I think the player pleaded out to it. Okay, so it actually there have think, been. I think it was. I mean, I mean, those are that's a well established. Those are well established legal principles that if you engage in conduct on a sport, you know, stepping onto an athletic field does not remove criminal law. If you engage in conduct that is that is above the normal level of violence expected on a field, then then you know you could be charged. This is the famous Dale Hack. You remember Dale Hackbart? I remember the name. Okay, Dale Hackbart was a, a headhunting free safety uh, along the lines of Jack Tatum uh, in the, in the late '60s and early '70s. He played with the Vikings and then played, I think. With the Browns, anyway. Remember that idiot Doug Plank, Dale, the Bears head. Dale Dale was a headhunter. Well, Dick, remember Doug and, Plank? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Plank. Same. You know, really tough guys. You know, playing defensive back. Hackbart played uh, played free safety, uh, along with a guy named Paul Cross. Well, Dale just about decapitated a guy. In, in when he was playing, not with the Vikings, but I think with the Browns, took the you know, clothesline, took the guy's head off. Hurt, he hurt him badly, and and the guy sued him in in uh, state court for criminal assault. And the judge said, "Look, I've looked at the film and I've, I watched the NFL, and this was a tremendously hard, dangerous hit by Mr. Hackbart, but it certainly wasn't. It was not out of line with what you would expect to see in the NFL, as opposed to grabbing a hockey stick." And physically beating somebody with it—that is was uh, in those cases, as I recall, that was ruled well above the level of, of violence that is expected as part of a game in a National Hockey League game. So I think those guys pleaded out to that. All right, Lou, if you got a couple of minutes, can we uh, help out our girl Angelica? What what is the status of these uh, refugees, and can you get somebody out of there? And what what can you do? Refugees in Russia or refugees no, in, in Ukraine? Ukraine. I mean, how, if you have a relative over there, how do you get them over here? Can you? Um, the the State Department has loosened the requirements for people coming in from Ukraine with respect to things like vaccine, vaccinations, which is interesting because we're not doing that for people coming across the southern border. They they can come in whenever however they want, but but the the uh, for Ukrainians they've loosened they've loosened that. <coughs> Excuse me, I don't know. 
I, I don't know the specifics of how you bring them over, but but you know there's a there's a legal process for that. The, the move right now is to, as I understand it, is to try to get them from Ukraine into the EU as in refugee status, and then from the EU here in in refugee status, rather than a direct pipeline. Okay. So I think that's what's going on. I know the UK has taken a bunch. Poland obviously is the principal the principal recipient of this um, but but the EU is is stepping up to try to handle that I just don't know the details on it but I also know that the pipeline as I understand it runs from the EU you know to to the United States and to Canada uh, well, we have a few I would think I would have I mean, a huge Ukrainian population in Canada I'm surprised that there hasn't been more more push there I have a uh, conspiratorial question for you regarding our earlier discussion with uh, no in uh, in Chicago, really? well, one thing I've learned, Lou, is that whenever there's money someplace, um, somebody's sort of behind it. I mean, when you say uh, people are leaving Chicago, the people that are leaving Chicago are a lot of the. If you drive into these horrendous neighborhoods in Chicago, where they have all these problems. You're not you're not only uh, taken uh, by the amount of empty lots and other kinds of things and kind of shiftless people wandering around. You're also taken by the fact that in every block there's three or four or five or ten houses where people still live there and are trying to do the right thing and they have a fence around the place and flowers and the house is painted. I mean, it's it's astounding how many people actually are trying to make a home in these areas because they own the place. Maybe, And I think those are the people that are leaving. And whenever that happens, I mean, one of my attorney buddies... Yeah, the stable, the stable, you know... Two parent family yeah, kind yeah. of places where where they're actually trying to keep their their kids in school yeah. and, and and make a better life for people. Yeah, yeah. those guys are I mean, they're, they're escaping because they, they can't handle it. Uh, you can't sleep at night in the summer because of the gunshots. For God's sake, I mean. But now um, my buddy tells me told me once that there's three or four people. One of them was a group from Ireland that was that was picking up all this property. All right, so now downtown here. I don't know if you listened uh, when Jan Flanagan was on the other day. He was like rattling off addresses of these buildings downtown. Well, right now, nobody wants to be here because anybody can get from these areas on the, the red line, on the blue line, whatever, and it's horrible to be on them. People don't want people down here. But on, on the, the bottom line of it is, you're going to see 175 Jackson, where the people, I think there's, my numbers might be off, there's a $180 million mortgage on a place, and these guys basically just took their 50 had it stuck where the sun don't shine of equity and just gave it to the bank. Said we're eating our fifty, we're out of here. Well, sure, we're walking. We're walking. Yeah, property. So there's so somebody somewhere is going to pick these places up for eighty, ninety, somewhere in there, a hundred. I I refuse to believe, Lou, that, that some of this is not being orchestrated because we're going to talk about a massive, massive shift of wealth from people that used to have wealth and own these places to other people. Just like the resolution trust, just you know, I mean, it, 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 it. Well, well, you're seeing this. Okay, you're seeing this in, t- in two other areas. The massive purchase of farmland by by consortiums owned managed by Bill Gates and, and and Chinese money, and then and then the massive purchasing of suburban housing by BlackRock Investment and others, and coming in and taking this stuff for a song, renovating it, and then saying, okay, you can lease. We'll we'll lease it to you. Um, By the way, I, I'm going to recommend a book to you, and and Maddie can put it up if you want. It's a Man in Full by Thomas 
by Tom Wolfe, the guy who wrote the right stuff in Bonfire really? of the Vanities. Really? It's a it's a it's a very good discussion of the New South, Atlanta. Um, but it it deals one of the key elements of it deals with just exactly what you're talking about. Uh, Bonfire of Vanities was interesting, and there's a problem, Lou, when you have a mother who reads everything before you do. I got about <laughs> I got about halfway through. I took her to breakfast. She told me the ending, so I didn't finish it. Oh no! Yeah, but the uh, well, well, <laughs> Wolf is worth reading just for the just for the prose. Yeah, but but this is this is a really interesting discussion of kind of the New South. What um, what the hell? I had one one huge thing to ask you. What did you? Uh, well, I'll, I'll think about it next week. But but what do you, you uh, the Cubs, the Sox? What what is with these people playing in these in this weather? I mean, the weather has been awful here for the last. But I mean, how many of these games do you think should have been rained out, Matty? Eight. Yeah, I mean, it, I feel like uh, this is completely anecdotal and might just be in my head. I don't have any numbers to back this up, but it seems like the winters have gotten easier and the springs have gotten worse. I think you're right. Like the winter. Well, yeah, I, I want you guys to ship some of that water to us. Here it's cold, gray, and wet every single day for April and first week of May. Yet the winter months were not that bad. We didn't have a ton of snow. We didn't have any sort of polar vortex or anything like that. It was pretty mild winter. Did we have any nights below zero or like one or two? Yeah, just a couple and no big snowstorms either. No. Um, but yeah. the spring has just been awful. Yeah, these well, we, we could use, we could use, um, I, I, I'm finally starting to read reports about the construction of you know, pipelines and and some ideas about moving water from uh, the, the Midwest to uh, out of the Great Lakes to the to the West. Never happened. We need it. Never happened. Never happens. Too much of an engineering feat. And by the way, why should we give you our water? <laughs> oh, we'd buy we'd, we'd buy it from you. Um, not at the price I want. Can we get Illinois out of debt? Then maybe I'd sell you some water. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm sure. I'm sure you could ship us some of that filthy water that's being pumped into the Chicago River down towards St. Louis. <laughs> uh, just remember, Lou, dilution, dilution, dilution. By the time it gets down there, it's fine. Just, uh, <laughs> just say, SP down 28, SP Futures down more 12. Lou, thank you very much. Be right back, Mr. Dan Janitas. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, 
Give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Right now. There's something happening here. Well, North Bay Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Hahn, Mr. Matt Weber on the board. SC Futures down 26, NASA Futures down 104. And kind of interesting news this morning here where the British pound sinks nearly 2% against the dollar set for the worst daily drop since March of 2020. Uh, we've had a lot of, we don't report on it too much. We're going to have to start doing more and more of it because, uh, the dollar moves, dollar moves, you know, in relation to, we'll talk about this more when we find Dan here, uh, but is, is, has much more uh, shall we say, an impact on what goes on in the market than a lot of people think, certainly in the bond markets, because every time you move an interest rate, one one currency goes up vis-a-vis the other because people look to get a greater interest either overnight or for the week or for whatever. So it's it's a very vibrant, uh, that in terms of dollars, is is way bigger, the currency markets, than the stock markets and the bond markets. And, uh, you know, um, it's... Dan? How are you, yes. bud? You're, uh, you're, here, great. you're here just in time to uh, to save my ass, basically. Um, because uh, I don't know if you read this story. I'll, I'll jump on you real quick because I know you know this stuff. Uh, British pound sinks nearly 2% against the dollar, set for the first wor- daily drop since March 2020. We we probably, uh, out of all my guests, you're probably the one I talk about it with the most, but we don't. I don't really talk that much about uh, dollar movement here. I... I but I think I'm going to have to start doing more of it because what's happening with the dollar up and down the yen and the pound and these things is really driving a lot of the other stuff we talk about, isn't it? I mean, have you seen this kind of movement in, these, in the dollar in a long time? I haven't. There, there ha- I mean, the dollar has been relatively strong, but there hasn't been a lot of movement. So I would, I would agree. I would definitely agree with you. Um, you know, we watch it. We don't look at it as the, um, you know, as it, too much of a telltale sign because some of the relationships, as you know, have changed. You know, a stronger dollar um, in an inflationary period meant something years ago that it may mean something very different today. A strong dollar also um, could um, mean that you have stronger commodity prices or, you know, commodity prices could be a substitute for for dollars. Uh, Commodities could be a substitute for dollars in the environment. And that's ever changing, and so that those relationships are tough ones to handle. I agree with you; it's something that we should absolutely be paying attention to. But in terms of trying to make money on that trade, um, there are people who do it better than I do that, that well, follow it more closely and and you know can look at the nu- nuances in the market and how those relationships change. I would say with the British pound, I mean, a lot of that has to do with the you know the EU is you know uh, increasing. Rates as well. They're a little bit ahead of the game. Um, it's probably some political 
issues going on there too that are still related to Brexit and um, you know I don't really know that I don't know what they're dealing with in terms of supply chain issues but there's a lot of different factors that go into looking at currencies and being able to you know to play the the currency market or, or you know make money in the currency market and that's again that's not necessarily my area of focus or expertise but well, that's why I don't, something that we pay attention to that's why I don't I don't, don't do it all that much it's, it's so complicated I was just mentioning before you came in it it's a huge market. I mean, in terms it of, is. I mean, way bigger than the stock market or the bond market, right? I mean, the, yes. the amount of current. But the thing that's been kind of weird lately, Dan. I mean, if you and I, like I said, we pay attention to it, but we don't focus on it because we both are doing basically other stuff. Is that a fair statement? Uh, yes. But, but if we're going to look at, you know, the dollar index. We probably, if you were going to look at one thing, you'd look at dollar versus euro, uh, yes. and that has been, like you said, it hasn't been too crazy. But beneath it. Like the dollar of yen is going crazy. I mean, you and I don't have a lot of investments in Japan, but if we did, it'd be something we'd look at because I mean, it's a big deal. The, it is, yeah. I mean, in, in, in Japan, also, I mean, that a lot of it has to do with where rates are relative to Japan, right. and you know, with our rates going up, and, and Japan's been stuck. Japan's interest rates have been stuck in negative territory for quite some time, um, and their their economy has been, you know, it's not been tracking hours the way a lot of European. Economies tend to track our economy, so um, you know. Again, that is somebody who you know, somebody who's an expert in understanding that relationship. I think um, would know best. But at the same time, I would say that the I don't see there being a whole lot of value there unless there's going to be some significant change. It's it's something our our <laughs> I don't want to get on the Fed here with you. I already was ranting about those guys, but it's something our Fed needs to watch because yes. in my in my opinion and I, and I think you agree with me on this I don't know what words in your mouth a lot of the fiasco that happened in 2007-2008 with people borrowing in Japan at 2% and then and buying these mortgage obligations here at 65 and essentially playing the spread and a lot of that the, I mean you and I, I mean, you might have the resources but I don't have the resources to see that funds flow coming from over from Japan, but the Fed sure does. I mean, that's the kind of stuff they should be watching out for, and they, yes. they plain and plain in fact didn't. Because you ask yourself, uh, I mean, I mean, you uh, you know scour the earth for good places to make six percent, six and a half. I mean, and you do a pretty good job of it. But you're you're not going to go leverage the world for six and a half percent, right? Because unless you can get it somewhere else for two. And then even you and I could start with fifty grand, borrow like fifty million at two, and hit it to somebody else at six and a half, and you guys can, you and I could be smoking cigars on your yacht, right, you with with somebody else's money. So, but, but this is something the, the Fed has to watch out for. If somebody is all of a sudden borrowing money there and doing speculating here and those kinds of things, and it, I don't know if I trust these guys that do it. They didn't do it the last time. Yeah, they're um, the. You know, I agree. I totally agree with you that. Uh, you know, the flow of funds also between countries is something that's really important as well. The trade is, is something that's very important. Um, currency, <clears throat> currency movements in general are, are very important. And I, and I agree with you globally. Um, you know, we're in a somewhat unique situation now because of the war and there's some other issues that I, I think are impacting countries maybe japan is is sort of sitting on the sidelines right now but there's going to be some involvement from japan at some point um or some impact i should say not necessarily some involvement some impact from all this uh they haven't really had um you know they have their market in their their economy has not really done a whole lot 
Um, and but yeah, those types of those types of things could be taking place. You know, there's people are always looking for the you know the ways of arbitraging. You know, making money um, uh, through the differences in, in you know whether it be currencies or or you know interest rates. Um, you know, in various various countries. So that's always been a way that people have made money or, or try to make money. It's it is an our way necessarily. Well, if you can so, pull if you can pull it off right, it's an easy way. If it is the apple yeah, word there is if, and, and that is the big question is if. Well, and also you're leaving. Dan and I are about to get technical here, real quick, but so we promise not to be too long. Technically, you're 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 leg in the trade, right? Yes. I mean, if, when when I say that, yes. if you were to look at uh, um, forward contracts, I mean, my stepfather used to do this because they used to buy watches from uh, Switzerland, but. If Dan and I were to say, we're going to go get this Japanese money at 2%, so we take our dollars and we, 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 we uh, cash them into yen and we go to the bank and we get them 2%, and then all of a sudden we come back this way with the 2%. Well, if we don't do the forward transaction of getting the yen back into the dollars, say, three years from now, which would incorporate the change in the interest rate, so there's, there's no gain there, right, Dan? I mean, we, right. we did the whole transaction... We don't make any money because the rest of the world right. knows what we're doing. We're not the right. only one reading the menu. So, but but if we leave that the last piece out, <laughs> it's it's like leg of a trade and an option spread, right? Yeah, yep. <laughs> I would I would agree. Um, it's uh, I'm staying with simpler or simpler focus. Right yeah, now. me too. I, I, mean, a, I am too. A great idea. I just you know, wanna, it's a to, definitely a way to make money. I know, I'm, so I'm sorry to go down this road with you, but when I see a headline like this. Two percent's a lot, so I thought I would at least to talk a little bit yeah. to the, you know what that means to people. The fact is, it really doesn't mean much today when you go to a restaurant or any place. But if, if it continues to happen, it means you got to watch out for stuff happening, right? Absolutely, yeah. And I and I agree with you that these are things we want the Fed to be paying attention to. Um, so you know, not only we settle, not only do we not have the problems that we've had in the past, but. Um, this is just. This should be part of their. You know, looking at what's going on around the world should be part of their uh, um, decision making. You know, should be inputs into their decision making process as well. Well, so my, my take from all of it with the Fed is just that they. You know, I still believe they've done too little, um, too late. I I think what happened yesterday was expected, um, long expected, and uh, you know there was a little bit of a sigh of relief. I think after after what. Now, I know uh, some of the reporters were saying that they believe the fact that 75 basis points is at least was set to be off the table. I don't think that's the reason the market rallied. I think the market rallied because the market says, okay, the Fed said that we're going to do this. That that was what we heard. That was consensus, and that's what happened. So there weren't going to be surprises from the Fed, and maybe there won't be surprises going forward. We don't know. There could be still, but we don't know. But at least in this case, which was an important um, hike and one that was clearly already built into the market, it, you know, they kind of came through as expected. Um, I think they hit on, you know, the major points they were talking about. Um, the concern, you know, um, that I have is still the way they're looking at wages because from the very beginning I've been talking about wage inflation as being the culprit. And wage inflation being the um, what will keep inflation sustainable going forward. And going back now, think back to pre-COVID, and it seems like we our memories are all really short. 
But pre-COVID, as a bond manager, I'm looking at, you know, when, when is inflation going to come? Because we were waiting and waiting. When are we going to see higher rates? That normally happens at this part in the cycle and didn't. So now in the last couple of years, we've had this hiatus period. Um, and now that we're coming out of this hiatus period, suddenly wages are going up. And wages are going up because there's a lack of workers. And there's, even though the, the, the numbers say, you know, different things, you know, four and a half million people quit their jobs in March, but then there were new jobs taken and there's, you know, unemployment rate as well. If you look at the big statistics, um, BLS statistics and the statistics that come out on a frequent basis, that's one thing. But if you try to understand what's going on behind the scenes, I think that's more important in understanding what is driving wage inflation. So on a lower level, a very simple example would be, you know, for lower-level jobs, it would be the person who was working at the Home Depot who can now go over and work at the Target and make $3 more an hour. So what happens to Target? Target has to pay their employees more. Well, it may not be a big part, a lot of money or a big part of what they have to do, but they have to do it across the board in all their stores. So what happens? They have to pass on the, the, the you know, they have higher operating costs, so now they have to pass on those ex- expenses to the consumer. And that's kind of what's happened across the board. It's happened at the at the chicken companies, you know, at the Purdue's and the and the you know the meat packing companies and all that, who had trouble finding people to work. They had to pay higher wages, and they passed on the cost of getting those people, um, you know, get, getting the employees there um, at uh, higher, you know, having to pay the higher rates. They passed those higher rates on to to customers. I believe this is what's happened across the board. I think this is a this is a you know they call it the Great Resignation period, um, and I think it's going to be a short-lived <laughs> Great Resignation period. Other than maybe the people who are you know at retirement age, but at some point the excess that's there and the ten different job opportunities to you know to make a little bit more money are going to suddenly be maybe just one or two, and people are going to have to like the musical chairs thing. They're going to have to sit down. And say, okay, now I'm 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 okay with twenty dollars an hour. Um, and what, what but what has happened is because they're the, these places are understaffed, and because they need in order to keep their businesses growing, they need more staff. It means wage inflation. There's no way around wage inflation. And again, wage inflation is what I believe will sustain inflation going forward. Now, if you look at people keep talking about the gas pumps and what can we do about that. That's a whole different issue. That's a commodity issue that has to do with geopolitical risk, that has to do with OPEC, that has to do with the different supply and demand dynamic. But when we look at things like food, um, services, business services, um, insurance, utilities, anything that involves, like in- including oil, anything that involves transportation of goods, transportation costs have got up. So I don't see any end in sight. Um, in, in the near future, in the next year year or, or two, um, to inflation be staying with us. I don't think the rate's going to accelerate, but I think this wage issue has finally hit. We've been waiting for it for a few years. Um, I don't think we should be too concerned about it because it is natural part of the cycle. What the Fed, the Fed's slow approach to raising rates, I don't think is as effective as it could be. I think I knew that it wasn't going to be 75 because if it would have been 75, they would have met sooner. They would have had a uh, an interim meeting 
Um, so I knew that they weren't too concerned, and I do think they're going to err on the conservative side, meaning doing less than more, because I really I think that they're so afraid of being of keeping their credibility and being um, wrong on the on uh, I think they're more concerned about being wrong by raising rates too much or becoming too restrictive um, than they are not doing enough. And I think you know there I, I don't think everybody's in my camp or agrees with me on this, but this is what I've seen over the years being a bond manager and the way you know inflation works and higher interest rates um, work and this this excess um, in the labor market needs to be worked out before we're going to see inflation come under control. I, uh, I'm kind of on the opposite end of that argument, Dan, which is very rare for you and me. Um, I, I think that uh, in the short run, and the reason why I I don't want to pull names out, but I will anyway. Uh, is I remember Milton Friedman one one time when somebody asked him about eight questions in a row, said, "When is everybody going to understand?" He goes, "I know the answer is never." When is everybody going to understand that there is no connection in the short term between price and between uh, like wages or any any of the factors of production? They're two totally different things. What you you charge what you can, and you pay what you have to. At the end of the day, at the end of the years. They all have to come together somehow, or else you're going to be out of business or whatever. But on, on the, for the moment, I mean, the Procter and Gamble raises their prices because they can, not because they get a bill saying they got to pay somebody twelve dollars instead of ten. They're going to raise them anyway, and they're going to they're going to fight like hell to not have to pay the guy twelve when they could pay him ten. I mean, it, in, in the long run, I mean, you're absolutely right. Yeah, but in the short run, what's happening now? There's no connection whatsoever. I don't think. You know, it kind of depends on the, I think it depends on the business. I mean, oh, absolutely. I, I have yeah. a lot of small business owners as clients, and they're, you know, think of a restaurant owner that has to pay higher, you know, their their cost of goods are higher because the, the food that they have to purchase is higher because the delivery, uh, the transportation of that food to their restaurants is higher because now they're having trouble finding staff because the other restaurants in the area are paying 2 or $3 more an hour. It's not the only reason that they're charging more, but they're being hit on all sides. I agree with you. I agree with you. So the, the labor thing is the thing that's keeping it, and I don't see any end in sight, if that makes sense. I mean, in a perfect world, if we have a perfect world and this, you know, competition is perfect, um, it, that would be one thing, and I would I would tend to agree with you more. But we have different levels of management, and I think man- you have a really good management team. They know how to, you know, make create an environment where people like coming to work and somebody might stay at that job even if they're getting paid a little less but they're going to be more productive and those teams are the ones that are going to be able to um, survive this environment and you know if anything like like you're saying you know they can they can increase um, because they can increase you know because at some point they are going to become the you know the the best in class if you will in their particular um, category, but there's. I, I believe that there's still um, this wage issue is one that's going to drive bigger picture inflation. Um, to uh, you know, it's going to impact um, inflation on a bigger scale. I, I don't disagree. All I'm saying is that what we're, what we're arguing about, and actually arguing about it in a way, I think that's positive, is what we're really both yeah. saying. I think we're both saying is 
inflation is very uneven. Some people, yes. that that's the problem with it. Yes. I mean, if everybody's every everything just doubled tomorrow, nobody care. If I owed you twenty bucks, I just now owe you forty. What's the difference? And now, but now tomorrow, instead of making a hundred hours of work, I'm going to make two hundred. I'm even. It's like a stock split. But it, but that's not what happens. You're, you you right. you described. If I'm in a competitive industry, this is like a, a test in the University of Chicago. Des- describe the environment before you ask the question. In a, right. in a competitive yep. industry where there's, uh, this is not any kind of a racial slur, but if there's 15 Chinese restaurants within a mile of my house, those guys are competitive. They, yes. they, they can't just raise their prices 20%. But other people can raise their prices 20%. I've seen restaurants I've walked into. They're up 20% and they're whining because the cook wants $18 an hour instead of 14 Well, how many dinners does a guy make an hour? 30 <laughs> Right. Give me a break. I mean, you know, I mean, it it really does depend on everybody's situation. And I think you and I are both complaining about the the lack of policy forethought. They don't even know who they're hurting. Right? Maybe they do, or maybe they do. And uh, and I'm going to say, Dan, because I think you hang with the same kind of people I do. That inflation hurts 85 percent of the population. It helps. The people with assets, it helps the people that can raise prices, and it helps the people essentially that are in power. And that's why right. the, the, that's why you have a Fed, after how many million words have been spoken about this this stuff, they're up to, the inflation is what, 10%? And they're up right. to 1%. 1%. Yeah. 1%. But at yeah, the end I of the day where the rubber meets the road, there's no rubber on the road. Right. Yeah, I to- totally, absolutely agree with you on that. and. And I, I, I do think that there were a lot of reporters that were talking to Powell yesterday that were asking really a lot of good questions about just about that and why isn't more being done and, you know, what what do you see the impact of, what is the negative impact of more not being done and is that going to prolong this or lead us into a, you know, a, a much softer um, possibly recession. I don't think we're going to hit recession right away, um, but I definitely think we're moving to a slowdown. I don't see any forces of demand, you know, if you're talking quarter by quarter numbers for companies, some have reported well, some have, you know, even surprised on the upside. But if you really read through and really listen to the to the talks, and we've been following some companies, you know, there are definitely issues that they're facing on the supply chain oh, and sure. on the labor side, and you know, trying to attract the right talent and and trying to stay competitive in this environment. So. We're in maybe a new norm to a certain degree, but I think we want to get out of this new norm and sort of get back to work, back to, um, you know, operating at higher levels of capacity, um, more productivity. We have the, we certainly have the technology to do that, but how we get there, I'm not sure. It's going to be an interesting dynamic over the next period of time watching how this works itself, the excess works itself out of the system. Well, how does it get? What's going to, what's going to determine whether that person who quit their job when are they going to have to go back? That's the question I'm asking. At what point did they say, or what point does that person who decided to retire at the age of 50 say, huh, we're not going to have quite enough to take those vacations with the kids anymore, you know, because we, we retired too soon, and we haven't, like, replaced our income. We haven't found an alternative source of income. So I think there's there's going to be a, 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 a workout period, if you will, um, that's going to get... Get rid of some of this excess, um, and I think that needs to happen. And I think what Powell was saying yesterday is it might be painful at some time, at some point, but uh, 
I think the focus is less on, like you're saying, and I agree with you, whether it's, you know, $20 at the pump or $40, I think the, the, the focus is more on um, sustainability of the businesses, you know, based on the competitive environment and the supply-demand, the bigger picture supply-demand. Dan, how much, of it, how much of it is, I hate to use this term, how, how, how much of it is the big lie? The man stood up there, he's our employee, so we paid him for his service yesterday, saying how we're not even in his wildest dreams are we anywhere near close to a recession. Excuse, <laughs> excuse me, did, didn't we have lower G, GDP the first yes. quarter? He needs one more first, quarter and he's got to reset. What, what, right, what, exactly. What yep. movie, one what movie, more negative quarter and we have it, right. What movie is he watching? Plus, you know, the, the labor numbers here, and I think we're all, you know, I'm going to say, I want to. well, I will say, drinking the Kool-Aid. I'm looking at our March numbers, Dan, and I, uh, real, real quick, my, my niece uh, is a teacher. God, what a terrific young lady. And uh, my, my nephew's wife, so I guess she's my niece-in-law. Uh, they just lost a teacher in their place. She goes, they signed this horrible contract. All the young teachers voted for it when they knew they weren't getting enough raise, blah, blah, blah. Well, this guy's leaving, and he's going to the district one over for whatever, a four or $5,000 raise. And they're all upset with the guy. Well, don't you like us? Yeah, I like him just fine. He goes, but don't you see the prices? I, you, I, if I can do the exact same thing somewhere else, I'll still love my job over there. I bet I'll love those people too, but I, I got to go. Now, does that mean the first place has a shortage or just not paying enough? Could be both, actually, right? Well, but I'm looking at these, these numbers here, and again, these are gross, gross numbers. But at the end of 2019, which is before COVID, started what, uh, March of 2020, right, or February? We had 157 million people, 157.5 working. We now have 158.5. In 2018, we've now got 3 million more that were working at the end of 2018. So the numbers don't show this gross shortage where nobody can get anybody to do anything. I mean, they just don't show it. Dan. I mean, I, I, I know. I mean, I, we've had growth in the economy, though. We've had yes, growth. some, but I'm saying it's not like, by yeah, the way, I, by the way I, people whine about it on TV, you would you would guess that we had 157 million people working, and now we got like 140 or something. It's it, it's not like that, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. And a lot of it is. I mean, if you just look at, I think the lower level jobs, you know, the cashier jobs at the at the local stores are probably the easiest example because someone leaves, so that gets counted as somebody quitting, right? That goes into yeah. those large numbers of people quitting. But that same person, you know, a week later or two weeks later, or a month later, shows up across the street making two or three or four dollars more an hour or so and and that's you know that's a new hire right so then that goes into on the employment side so you, you know you i agree with what you're saying and i think it's the movement of shifting around um to a large degree of people going from one place to the other but in doing so tom i believe in doing so that increases prices yes oh well, that, I that think is it does increasing too. wages and that's that and there's people are getting a little bit cocky in the sense that they can they can demand higher wages. Um, they know they can do that, but at some point, like I said, we're going to have those excesses that are going to come out of the system, and you know, all of a sudden, that if you think about the musical chairs game, you know, there aren't going to be any chairs left. So that person who just quit their last job, thinking, "Oh yeah, I can go this five oh, for, for higher signs um, in the next next shopping center," well, suddenly they're not, you know, those signs out there, or they've already hired people. So. It's going to happen over a period of time. I think over a period of a year, but I do think this whole this whole excess is going to keep inflation high. I would agree. Plus, I mean, I, I, we got a dash here, Dan. But in the Chicago area, I was like in Florida between 
tolls, gas, taxes, parking. You, you could be making ten dollars an hour and losing money. <laughs> you got to go out yeah, and- <laughs> I mean it's, it's 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 especially bad there. Here, yeah. the rents are the thing that really hit oh, yeah. people hard. The huge increase in rents. I do have. I mean, maybe for next time, I'll talk a little bit about um, the short end of the curve and where you yes. can make money. Absolutely, and where you should be putting your money in terms of you know three months, six months, one year, you know, um, in staying in Treasury bills rather than CDs. So well, I can talk a little bit more about that. Well, on plus, our, next, next week, call. next week the numbers will be higher, it'll be even better. They, they should, they should be exactly. <laughs> but I have, I have some good ideas there. Take care of yourself, bud. SP futures down twenty five, Nasdaq futures down ninety seven. Right back, Mister John Flanagan. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it is time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back, Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Amos, my web brother, board. SP Futures down 26, NASA Futures down 102, uh, Dow Futures down 173, individual stacks. Uh, we got American Express down 348, that's a lot. 3M uh, was up huge yesterday, but down a buck today. We've got Home Depot down two, they were up big yesterday. All these stocks were way up yesterday, so we're back, uh, maybe 20% of what we were, we were up, so it's not, a, it's just a little bit of a relief, a relief sell-up, there is such a term. Probably isn't, but uh, over in Asia we've got somewhat of a mixed bag. Nikkei was closed, so they're uh, they last traded on five two. Uh, Shanghai they traded yesterday. They're up twenty, that's point seven percent. And we had Hang Seng uh, traded yesterday. They're down seventy six point four percent. Over in Europe we've got 
The Dax uh, up to 18, 14,889. Now, they didn't get a, the bulk of the run-up like we did yesterday. They were already closed, so they're kind of catching up. Footsie up 113, 1.5%. CAC around up 120, 1.9. So pretty bullish across the board over in Europe. Catch-up bullish, but bullish uh, nonetheless. Yesterday, 932 up on the Dow's. I'm saying this little sell-off today is not, is not bothering me at all here. S&P futures up 124. That was almost 3%. A Nasdaq futures up 401. That was over 3%, 3.2. So it was a, bit, a huge, huge rally. Plus, we were down in the morning, which made it even more bizarre. Uh, Ten-year uh, up one basis point, 9.2.93. The Bund down six basis points, which is kind of a uh, surprise. Uh, 0.91. They made it almost made us up to one percent like yesterday, and it might have traded 0.99. Japan up one of 2.24, which it's been forever. Uh, UK down 14 to 1.82. Uh, oil is uh, up again today to up dollar forty four to one oh nine twenty five, ran up one seventy three one eleven eighty seven. So these guys are up like ten percent in the last ten days. Natural gas up two cents at eight forty four. Whatever, a nice buy at four bucks. You rode that thing the whole way. Our Bob up two cents three sixty seven. We've got gold up thirty one fifty now uh, past nineteen hundred nineteen hundred and thirty cents. Silver up fifty nine cents twenty two ninety nine. Copper unchanged at 433. Last but not least, Bitcoin down 308, 39,509. Matty, what do you got for us, Trevi Weather Sports? A lot of stuff here, isn't there? There is. Coming up on uh, 37 minutes past the hour. Good morning once again to everyone out there. Traffic starting to build on the area expressways, roadways, and tollways, but no accidents to report. That earlier crash on the Bishop Ford at 115th Street is all clear, uh, but we are seeing a lot of stop-and-go traffic on the Edens, Kennedy, Eisenhower, and Stevenson especially, but also on the South Side Expressways, Dan Ryan, I-57, and the Bishop Ford as well. Just no accidents to report. Off the expressway, still dealing with that uh, fatal crash that happened, uh, a uh, vehicle versus a pedestrian that happened on, on Cicero between Ogden and Cermak that has Cicero closed for an investigation, just so you're going to avoid that. And then out in uh, Lombard, there's a crash Main Street at Wilson Avenue. Uh, but everything else quiet out there. Weather today, uh, cloudy early. Could have some rain later on. A high of just 52 as we continue this uh, cold gray run that we've had for the past several weeks. Right now it's overcast and 47 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, sunshine with a high of 95. Right now it's clear and 70. In sports, Sox beat the Cubs last night 4-3. to Sox trailed 3-1 to and rallied back with three straight runs to sweep the two-game set at Wrigley. Diamondbacks beat the Marlins 8-7. to NBA playoffs, it was the Suns beating the Mavericks 129-109. to The Suns lead that best-of-seven series two games to zero. Chief. Ready for the Chicago history? What was it that corner, Ogden and uh, 22nd Street in Cicero? Uh, I don't know, actually. One of the most famous manufacturing facilities ever. That was the... That's serious, isn't it, Tom? No, no, no. That was uh, uh, Western Electric's Hawthorne Works. Oh, Western Electric, yeah. Hawthorne Works. The Hawthorne. Yeah, plant, right? they every, every, at one point every piece of manu of I'll say virtually every piece of telephone equipment, telephones, cords, uh, big huge switching centers, all the cable was all produced right there. They probably had thirty thousand people working there three shifts, seven days a week or six days a week. I mean, it was a uh, that and Electromotive were the reason why Cicero was like Cicero. You had three shifts going all the time, and bars never closed. And all these people made a lot of dough in those days. That was a, uh, and, it, and it's close. Western Electric. That that was Western Electric. It was Hawthorne Works. My uncle worked there for 
25 years stripping cable it was no good strip it they start over again and make make new stuff and oh <laughs> yeah and uh and those phones were indestructible Tom. Oh, i still have two of them here i still have one of my them but they're, they're like museum pieces i'm trying yeah. to make them into planters well they yeah i mean they absolutely were i mean they're, they're they got a hundred year life to them at, at least <laughs> but anyway that would that's that's where that and now there's a now there's I think a Walmart there. Somebody if you go by there, they still have the big huge gate and the big tower, so you can still see where it was. It was it was like uh, between that and Electoral Motive, there were what how many fifty thousand people working two plants out there or something? Well, you know, just massive amount of people working. In Chicago used to have like a lot a lot of blue collar stuff. Um, anyway, uh, SEC filing uh, says that Larry Ellison. Uh, Who's who's Binance? What is that? I should know who that is. Uh, Binance and somebody else uh, are giving them the rest of their money here for Twitter. Larry Ellison's he's he's one of these guys that his company was he, he was Oracle, right? I think so. I, think uh, the, I don't know if they ever stock is not any higher than it was in two thousand. Uh, it was a you know a huge company when it started out. They were they were the guys, didn't they, Manny? Weren't they the people who found out how to just hold? Uh, store just massive amounts of information. Wasn't that Oracle's contribution to the uh, the new world? The uh, w- weren't they in, in uh, information storage? Isn't that what they did? That was a big part of it. Yeah. And uh, but here's a guy that you know that ninety bazillion dollars. I don't think that they ever pay a dividend. If, I mean, the shareholders. I don't think did any get anything from the place. I don't think they're. I don't think they're higher now from where they were in the nineteen and two thousand. Anyway, but he's still around and he's and he's coming up with money for uh, Musk. I don't know who Binance is, and uh, uh, and uh, what's his name? Prince Alawid is involved too. Wasn't he the guy who was tortured for like three weeks? Was that Alawid? But I knew is that the go- one who was taking on um, Musk about the Twitter offer? Yeah, but I mean, no, he, was, he owns a big block of Twitter stock already. Right? But isn't he the guy that the, uh, the the new ruler over there threw in jail in the hotel and tortured all, all those guys for like oh, a month or two? Oh. Yeah, I, don't, I can't. I'm not I, sure. I think Halloween was one of them. Certainly adds some drama to this story. Yeah, I think he. I think. The, I think he was one of them. There was was in there, and nobody heard from him for a while. And then they came out and said they all liked the new guy. <laughs> just, just quit torturing me. I like the new guy. But whatever. Right. We'll, won't let you out until you start saying this. Huh? Yeah. I mean, God, the, the stories we've covered since we started this video are unbelievable, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> You remember that when it's all must when listen radio? Yeah, time, I must say. You remember that? Today. Yeah, you remember that, Matty? When they, when the new guy came in, the the, the prince that took over for the guy who died, and uh, all of a sudden all the all the other all the other princes were in the hotel and ceased becoming a hotel, and it was like a torture chamber. <laughs> yeah. God. John, who'd have thought when we started we we'd we'd, we'd have a history of of reporting on stuff like that. <laughs> Well, in a little corner of the world, you know, yeah. all this stuff starts to leak in. Well, now here's now here's breaking news on two spots, which is pretty lousy. Labor productivity fell seven point five percent in the first quarter, the fastest rate since nineteen forty seven. And uh, in the uh, what the uh, the amount of uh, how much you had to pay per work hour was up like way way more than people thought as well. So um, we're starting to this economy's starting to have some trouble here. And it, the productivity number is disturbing. Because, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I'll, I would bet them up. Um, that the trend there, I mean, compared to other nations too, the the U.S. productivity rate was uh, a model. I mean, we was we were extremely efficient at the things we did and the things we produced. And when that number starts to, you know, taper off, you know that there's something 
bad going on. We're, we're reaching a point where we, we can't come back again, it seems. I think, though, Janet, you know, I've, I've gone through this, and I don't, I don't think I've, I've done it on, on this show. I did it uh, in the last however many years. I, uh, well, just the stuff today. Um, jobless claims were 200,000. They were supposed to be 182. Productivity is minus 7.5%. was supposed to be minus 5.2. And unit labor costs are up 11.6% in the quarter. We were supposed to be 10.5. So that, that's like a real lot in a quarter. But you know, I think I think John, this is like a without without jumping all over this and saying everybody's doing everything wrong. I think this is a a really funky number, this productivity thing. Because I I don't want to I don't want to went the other way. Like if you take uh, you know Levi Strauss for instance making blue jeans, I think it, it's 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 a really you know, almost a third grade calculation where you you divide the amount of uh, wages and the amount of stuff and. Uh, and, and somehow you get that calculation where if you end up with, uh, like, all your blue jeans are made in, in China, your productivity is, like, infinite or something, even though they're obviously getting made someplace. I mean, it's kind of a it's kind of an old line sort of funky uh, uh, calculation. So when they say it's down 7.5%, I mean, it, it doesn't really mean that everybody is, is, is you know, is doing 7.5% less work per dollar or something. No, but it certainly does in- imply that we're producing less. Well, it also might mean we're, we're we're producing more. We brought stuff back here that we used to have some other place. You know, that we're actually doing something in our factory. And like I said, it's it's a weird number. I'll, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna pony up on this one a little bit uh, by 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 Tuesday or Monday. We'll talk about it because it's it, it's it's a real it's a number you really can't hang your head on. I, I think um, now you labor costs those are going up. I think uh, and I don't know if they're going up as fast as prices. Because I'm going to say, and they've gone up 11.6 percent in the quarter. I don't think inflation is 11.6 percent uh, in a quarter. Do you? No. I mean, it's a. Uh, Boy, I sure hope not. Though. I sure hope not. I'm, I'm, I, uh, I'm at, I'm at 15 or 16 annually. So, do you ever believe? Do you believe the amount of? I uh, use the word. I don't know what is the word. You're the, you're the wordsmith, where people keep trying to tell the Fed what they're supposed to say, like all day long, and and, and think that they got, got it all figured out. Everybody's an expert. I mean, it's like it's almost like they're, uh, you know, the, the the thing is we got to come in more dovish. Remember, and one lady was on. Remember, there's two more CPI numbers between the next time the Fed makes a decision. So if they're if they come in hot and everybody says that we've already peaked, if they don't come in so hot, then we know the Fed's going to pull back. What do you know? You don't know anything. Nobody knows anything. I mean, what these guys are going to do. It's like uh, I mean, the amount of uh, shall we say help they're getting by people who don't want them raising rates is pretty scary. I notice across the board, Tom, is a debasement of the language that people use for a lot of things. I mean, the, the CDC and the Fed are these are just two big examples of of you know gobbledygook, doublespeak being produced at record rates. But the, the Fed is all about you know couching statistical results in some kind of word order or word pattern that has a soothing effect. Not too troubling, and you know, but it's it's an endless search for the, the language that is least likely to do any damage. Which, if you think about it, is is not a very useful search if, if you're just trying to to tamp down the reality of what people should be thinking about and being and, and complaining about. Then then you're you're deserving everybody with the kind of word choices you make. And of course, the, the CDC and Fauci and 
Dr. Burks, all these people just raise this to new levels, you know, bloviating all the time and never telling people really what the dangers were or what to do. And you got the Fed has been doing this a lot longer, um, but but you would think at some point you, you, you realize that it all just comes down to which smokescreen will the markets accept, you know, with, with the least complaint, and you know how people are going to have to adjust their reality to what they're being told is the reality. And I, I just find that a pointless exercise. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, what, what are the uh, you know? What what are what are they doing? Is the question? I mean, why do we have we we got a guy up there saying that he that he never uh, isn't even on the horizon? Is there a recession, John? We just got a negative negative number in the first quarter. He's he's one quarter away from a recession. What is he is he actively lying? He doesn't understand. What, I, I can't figure out what what the whole deal is. You know, and if you're on top of the Willis Tower, your horizon is Michigan. That's pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a global or, you know, astrological terminology. It isn't very far away. It's an hour's drive. So what, I, even that is a poor choice of words because it makes it look like we've got all the time in the world to prepare for something because nobody can see it yet, which is it's malarkey. It's ridiculous. It's here. Well, they got this, the former Fed guy was on there as a heller, and they kept putting somebody up against him, right, to talk to him, and he goes, he goes, we're not even on the same planet. He goes, we got inflation of 8 to 10%, and we're, and we're raising, reluctantly, rates to 1%. He goes, they gotta be more than inflation to kill it. How do you, how do you, how do you do it at one? He goes, this, this is incredibly expansionary at 1%. This isn't even, this isn't even close to neutral. And it's not even buying time anymore, Tom. I used to think that there was some method behind a lot of this, you know, covering up that, you know, it was a way of delaying people's anger or fear because there was something else that would kick in just in time and nobody would be the wiser for it. And I've concluded it has nothing to do with buying time. They've kind of run out of solutions. They don't have any to offer, and it's just you know kicking the can down the road again, and you know when necessary you lie a little more overtly about the state of things, but you don't ever come clean about it, and you don't offer any solutions to how bad it is. So the the, the Fed is kind of boxed into this you know echo chamber of people who are constantly raiding the dictionaries for words that don't come close to telling what's really well, going you're... on, and they think that's their job now. So, and they're doing, doing a great job of just covering up. Well, the mis- it has nothing to do with making people prepare or, or plan oh. at all. Well, the definition of a Fed making a mistake now is having the market go down, right? Because that's what happened in in a in a was it uh, twenty eighteen? What um, can you name? Can, can Mr. Weber? Can you name the four ministries? We're starting to get this. Well, we're getting the Ministry of Truth now from. Uh, or oh, the Department of Homeland, Homeland Security. Oh no, the ministry, what Biden's looking for a ministry of uh, uh, the the group is going to ferret out truth and. Uh, oh yeah, the Disinformation Governing Board. Yeah, Matty, you remember the, the four ministries in 1984? Yeah. The Ministry of Truth, which regulates all forms of media, entertainment, and arts. Ministry of Peace, which presides over war. <laughs> the Ministry of Love, which is a judicial system, and the Ministry of Plenty, which governs economic affairs. We're, we're right there. We're right there. <laughs> hey, 
you, you, or, or well, before he wrote that book, he wrote that great essay, Politics and the English Language, about propaganda, uh, defining what propaganda is and how propaganda um, has many purposes, and, and it's some, some, sometimes it's not even noticeable that it is propaganda. That's, of course, the most effective propaganda. But it's, it was a, just a dynamite essay, and you could tell he was leading up to something like 1984 when he wrote that essay. Well, I mean, we've been talking for a while now uh, that really, when it's it's not it's not really the the Fed. The Fed is, for lack of a better purpose, you know, a tool. You know, and, and maybe they're they're comprised of tools. I don't know, uh, but the they're they're becoming a, a tool for how the federal government spends their money. And the idea was they would be totally independent and never have to really play that game. Although, when there's a war or something, they're also part of the country, so even though they're independent, they're expected to somewhat cooperate, right? Uh, well, just this morning, who, who was a... Uh, I don't know, I forgot the politician. Somebody's demanding that Biden get rid of... Oh, all the, the state attorneys general are demanding that everybody everybody get their student loans just next, so a trillion seven or whatever the hell it is. Uh and the you know it's it's funny here, uh, uh, Jan. I'll, I'll get the thing up here. Much much as I hate to do it, um, the uh, when Maddie and I were do- we were you know we we had started the show. We were into it for a while. It wasn't like our first year or anything. When we uh, they just broke student loan debt out of just regular person debt. They had they were combined for a while in consumer debt, and they uh, they ended up. Um, I'm going to say that Maddie will help me on it. If your memory's better. They they pulled them out, and student loan debt was was less than credit card debt. I'm going to say this was ten years ago, right? We're pretty much when we started the show, we started doing them uh, separately. Well, in the last let's say eight years, student loan debt is now a trillion seven, and credit card debt is a trillion. So it's it's blown up over credit card debt almost eight hundred million dollars in like seven or eight years. And it, I'd like to see a breakdown too for how much of that loan is attributable to undergraduate, graduate, professional programs, or whatever, because that, that would say a lot, too, oh, sure. about how desperate people are for alternatives to careers that have just you know gone up in smoke, and they make one last stab at getting another degree or another certification, and you put themselves into even greater debt, often at a higher rate in graduate programs. Uh, with with less and less of a chance of ever making a career out of it. So well, why? Well, you know, there, there should be some. First of all, student loan debt. I was lucky enough to not have any, but I mean, it's not dismissible in bankruptcy if somebody co-signs no, for you. Which has never been at all fair in my eyes yeah. at all. Would have been if somebody co-signed for you and they're now disabled and they aren't even working? They're they're done in that person. Uh, I mean, it's it, there's, it's 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 horrendous. It's it's, it's it, you know it's it's the closest thing to indentured servitude we've ever had in this country. So, would I like to see some of that fixed? Yeah, would I like to see some of the interest rates lowered, maybe even in arrears, because uh, they were paying six and seven when the federal when the, when, the, when the big firms are, are paying two or two and a half. I don't think that's right. But uh, we go back to the Fed. If they decide to do this, Jen. They're not, whoever, these state attorneys general, they're not going to demand that the federal government borrow that money and over the next five years raise taxes enough to pay for it. They're going to expect, because everybody's, everybody's expecting it now the last 10 years, who are these expectators? They're going to expect the Fed to print it. They, right. they have no intention of actually, okay, that's fine. We're going to raise taxes 10% three years in a row and then pick up a trillion seven and we're going to do that. 
if they did that, John, and it was national policy, you know what? From an economic side of the, I don't know if I'd agree with it, uh, but I'll roll with it. But the idea is, we're not going to pay for it. <laughs> we're not, we're not going to tax it. We're not, we're not going to borrow it. We're going to just print it. I think we're, that the more we do that, the more we're in deep doo doo, just like Rome, just like everybody else has tried to do it before us. This is not a new trick. Well, and it's never a trick that's worked. No. <laughs> it's just like you know, no matter how hard you try, and Mr. Weber, you cannot invent a new fetish. They've all been they've all been invented before. <laughs> I laughed the other day when, you know, the, the casino choices have been coming up for discussion with all these presentations made to the various, you know, citizen groups. And Lightfoot's comment, maybe it was about all, all three of these, you know, proposals that are on the table, but people who were opposed to it or opposed to it in their neighborhood or for whatever reason, her, her comeback was, well, you, do you want a casino or do you want a, your taxes raised? And I thought, oh, come on. Yeah, come on. <laughs> Do we really think if, you, if we get a casino that our taxes aren't going to go up anyway? You know, will they go up any faster or slower? Who knows? Wait, we got the lotto. Are going to go up no matter what? Yeah, we got the lotto. We got off-track betting. We've got ten casinos. If we can just get one more casino, Jack, right? We'll be okay. We sold off all this infrastructure, the parking meters, the skyway, you know, whatever else they got at the table that we don't even know about yet, and we're no closer to you know making it. Unnecessary to raise taxes than we ever were. In, in terms of traffic, how's this for a term? Access and egress. That's, uh, pretty, that's pretty good, man. Now you're think? talking like a real estate lawyer. Yeah, isn't that pretty good, man? <laughs> Access and e- can you think of a worse spot to put it than where those Tribune presses are? No, no. I mean, we, we for those that don't know, that's down in a, a, a lower area, and the streets that go through there are up in the air, and they're both two lane. How in God's name are you going to put casino traffic on Halsted Street there? Plus, I mean, the West Loop seems to be the only growth area right now. And the reason it's you know got potential is because it's just far enough away from the, you know, the congestion downtown and the hassles, the slowness of traffic and everything else. And it's got nightlife. It's got, you know, residential areas. You, you put this kind of thing anywhere near it. And you throw the whole thing up for grabs. I just see it wrecking whatever possibility for long-term development there is for that area. Real quick, I don't know what they're thinking about. Real quick, for those that, that don't read stupid stuff like this, the city, I'm going to say 80 years ago, 90 years ago, straightened out the south branch of the Chicago River here. They used to go further left towards Clark Street. Well, in the middle, they were going to have all these streets that were going to extend it and have this big community there. It never happened. So this area south of the loop by Roosevelt Road all the way to maybe Archer Avenue, there's no sewer lines, there's no electric, there's no gas, there's nothing. It's never even been improved. This is the area they reclaimed from the river. Right, Jan? Yes. And they, it, they dug a, a trench in more or less a straight north or south direction right. from Wolf Point and diverted the, you know, filled it in where the, the river had cut into the east and made this big hook around preventing streets from going through, you know, blocking everything up. The railroad tracks were a mess around there, too. But nothing ever got developed, you're right. No, it never got developed. And so that was going to be one of the other sites. There's nothing there, Jan. I mean, I'm not a big on the casino, but why not just right there? Yeah, well, Area 78, they call it. You know, that yeah. newly created, but the 77 recognized neighborhood Chicago has. This is one that has never even been considered a neighborhood. <laughs> Nobody really wanted it. It's part of their neighborhood. So it's been carved out and called the 78, and this is the 
not the Bally's proposal, which seems to be the front runner right now. Well, but you know what is down in that area, which I just discovered to my, you know, satisfaction the other night. There's a drive-in movie theater down in that direction. Really? Did you, did you know this? No, I, I didn't know those things. Tri Town Films, twenty three forty five South Throop. So it's North Bridgeport, kind of you know, south of Twenty Second Street. It must be near that quarry or how many, how many down there. But they they have a they have a drive-in, you know, parking lot, movies, big screen. They'll bring the the food and beverages to your car. You can order it online. Oh, uh, hey. <laughs> the last time I went to a, a drive-in movie, it might have been with you in 1974 when I saw Blazing Saddles with oh. a bunch of people in Mishawaka, Indiana. With three that was people, my last drive-in. Three people in a trunk that you Those were the days. That's been Futures out 31 days. That's Futures out 132. Thank you, John. Thank you, Mr. Weber. Good. To, whenever you're here, it's, it's a sunny day. We'll be we'll be back tomorrow. Stacks and Jacks. What do we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. I guess we learned not to do it again. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.